Good, good. We've, um, uh, Justin, as we continue, as he leads us in missions and outreach and evangelism, uh, has put together uh, some door hangers. Um, this is what we know um, uh, from the research uh, that, that whether people are church or unchurched, they're open uh, to be invited to a Christmas service. They are because they, they want their kids to celebrate Christmas and they, they're going to be giving gifts. Uh, and so Justin has put together uh, some door hangers uh, that talk about our services and our Christmas Eve service, kind of a glimmer of hope theme. Uh, so they'll be out this uh, weekend. You'll probably see them at the missions wall and everywhere, everywhere you walk in. Probably be packaged up in five or ten uh, that you could take and just uh, go invite your neighbors or just hang them on your neighbor's door and just an opportunity uh, to, uh, to invite them. Uh, by far, uh, even with our church, but it's all across the nation, people, even unchurched people, are willing to come to church. Uh, if a neighbor or a friend uh, or someone they work with just invites them, you know, the question is, are we willing to invite? That's number one. But if you take that and wrap, it, wrap that natural inclination of if my friend invites me to church or a neighbor invites me to church or someone I work with invites me to church, I'm willing to go. Then you take and you multiply that by Christmas season. Uh, they are very likely in particular to want to come, whether they join you or not, to a Christmas Eve service. If you just tell them where you're going, they will come. Now, a lot of times we will look and say, well, I've already got my family in and boy, their family in. Let me tell you what, if you invite someone to a Christmas Eve service, there's a high chance that they will come, which is one of the reasons why we added a different service this year uh, on Saturday night. So, I mean, excuse me, on Sunday night, uh, two days before Christmas Eve, Sunday night at 7 p.m. And then on Christmas Eve, there are four of them. So I want to encourage you guys um, as you come in Sunday and you see those door hangers, lead your family on the way out. Uh, to become inviters and uh, become like Christ who said, follow me. And so that is, a, uh, that is a good thing. Anything else from either of you guys? All right. In the middle of our Glimmer of Hope series, well, let's, uh, let's go back to where we were. I want to pick up kind of where we were last, uh, uh, last week. We were jumping around, and uh, as we journey the next uh, few minutes together, I um, want, to, uh, want to share with you uh, as we journey into the season a couple realities of where we are at Christmas, and then really want to, I want to leave a few minutes this week uh, for you to spend some time in prayer. You know, you've heard Bruce share his testimony of where he's been, uh, but all of us, and that's kind of the nature of next week's service on Wednesday night, is we all walk through um, the, the Christmas season with some loss and with some reflection. Uh, I know in my life, uh, you know, it's, I still navigate through every, uh, every holiday season after my brother committed suicide that, that, that at some point comes up. You know, we got the nieces around and, uh, you know, my kids who he was their uncle. And, uh, you know, they didn't see my, my brothers down. You know, you know how life runs. They, they never saw my, my brothers downs. They only saw the ups. They only saw uh, the heroic feats that my brother would do that we all were surprised that he survived. Uh, but, you know, that's how they saw him is he hung the moon because when Uncle James showed up, it was about to get real fun. You know, it's about to get real fun, it's about to get crazy. Uh, you know, and then my mom looking through Christmas Day is my dad's birthday. She, she, you know, my dad died all the way back when I was in college. But I know at some point I'll look over at my mom and there'll be a tear in her eye. And, and we all kind of roll through that. So uh, after I share the few minutes, I want to leave a few minutes for us to turn and gather up. Just, just, just share 
um, and, uh, and just spend some time in prayer. But last week, uh, we looked at the greatest verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, uh, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And along with that, I walked you through when we think about that word gift. Uh, we walked through some of the words that we saw in the gift. As the Magi brought the gift, this was last week, you can hear it online. Uh, the Magi brought, or the wise men brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Christ. Uh, we also talked about uh, Jesus when he was talking to the woman at the well. Last week we talked about that. Uh, he said, you would know if you know me, you know the gift of God. Jesus identifying the himself as the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So in John chapter 4, Jesus told that Samaritan woman who had a broken life and broken relationships, uh, was an outcast even in her community, uh, was a Samaritan woman. He says, I am the gift of God. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Uh, I am the gift of God. Then we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. That uh, as a believer, uh, once we have trusted Christ as uh, trusted in Christ as our Savior and Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit is given by God, the third person of the Trinity, to seal us until the day of redemption. If you missed this, uh, go listen online. We also talked about salvation is the gift of eternal life, and the idea that eternal life is not until I sin again or until I sin enough. You know, kind of the definition of eternal is eternal. And if I were to receive eternal life from Christ, and He guarantees me an eternity with Him in heaven, and all of a sudden I sin enough, and He takes eternal life from me, guess what? Number one, that makes Him a liar. And number two, it means it was never eternal to begin with, right? That never, that never has registered with a lot of people who even talk. I said, so you can receive eternal life and then lose it. Then it's not eternal, right? It never was eternal to begin with. And so we talked about a spiritual gift of, uh, from God is eternal life because the Holy Spirit seals us until the day of redemption. Then we talked about that word gift. Is There are going to be a lot of gifts given this year, but there's only one person who always gives perfect gifts. And James, the brother of Jesus, says, man, the heavenly Father, God, He gives perfect gifts. And then we'll look at John chapter 3, verse 16. But I, I want to focus on three gifts that we see in Scripture and then really focus on what that means for us. Uh, the first gift is the gift of forgiveness. All right, For us to have eternal life, the first gift we have to receive is the gift of forgiveness. God is a holy and a righteous God. When we sin, that separates us from Him. That cannot, God cannot allow us as sinful individuals to bring sin into His heaven with us. You know, the truth is we want it that way, folks. Uh, because the last thing that any of us want is to spend eternity in this body and in this world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We understand, I mean, can you imagine, you know, when we think about all of us know that our bodies are going to wear down and burn down. Why? Because that's the effects of sin in our life. And then a, an evil culture around us, at some point forgiveness has to come, but there had to have been a sacrifice that was made. That's why we can go to Revelation chapter 21. And God says there's a new heaven and a new earth. But that first idea is that we have to receive forgiveness of sins. Now, it's not a temporary forgiveness. Uh, it's not a conditional forgiveness. It's not an until you sin again forgiveness. 
I love what um, the psalmist said is that God took our transgressions and iniquities and He removed them from us as far as the east is from the west. Somebody tell me, how far is the east from the west? Pretty far. Pretty far, right? We can't narrow it down much further than that, but it's pretty far. The Apostle Paul, talking about this forgiveness, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That forgiveness comes through faith, not anything I can do. Man, if, if I stand before God and, and He judges me for my sins, that's justice, right? Grace is when I stand before God and He looks at me and He says, I've already punished my son for your sins. Does that make sense? That's grace, is that someone else took the punishment for our sins. When Jesus died on the cross, He hung there and He says, It is finished. That is, if you want to, if you ever, anytime you hear that word, uh, whether you're good with numbers or bad with numbers, whether you're good with math or bad with math, anytime as we move towards Easter or, uh, you know, the Good Friday service and you hear those words, it is finished. I want you to immediately think of the, of, of, that it's an accounting term. It means paid in full. All right? How many of you have bought a house in the last... Uh, in the last two or three or four years, a relatively new house, all right? Uh, and, and did you buy it in your name? How many of you own your home? If you own your home, raise your hand. You own your home, okay. Um, now, for those of you who just raised your hand and said you own your home, if you stop making the payments, do you, how many of you still own your home? Okay, so that means you have paid your house off. Is that correct? Okay, good. Notice how many fewer hands went up. Because the reality of it is, you don't own your home until you've made that last payment. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And even if you stop paying for your taxes, your sweet government, led by Scott Sanford, our famous <laughs> politician, will come and take your house, right? The truth is, until you have paid the final payment, you don't own your house, right? And a lot of people talk about the fact that forgiveness only goes so long. Just like making a house payment or a car payment. If, uh, if I stop making my house payment, or we put as much as we could down, they're going to take it back because the reality of it is there's a lender that actually owns my home. They're just giving me the privilege of living in it as long as I keep making those monthly payments. See, forgiveness in God found in Jesus Christ through the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection is not as long as I keep making payments. It is total. That word, it is finished, is tetelestai. You've heard me say that before and many others. It means paid in full. When Jesus hung there and He says, it is finished, how many of you have ever seen those stamps, or at least in your mind's eye, you can see the red stamp that goes across a bill that says paid in full? How many of you, at least in your mind's eye? All right, from here on out, all right, 
so you guys will understand what forgiveness is once I come to Christ in faith is when you hear that words, those words, it is finished, you need to immediately think paid in full. All of my sins have been paid in full. So the number one gift we are given by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for God so loved the world that He gave is forgiveness. It's not temporary forgiveness. Now, here's the key of our forgiveness, guys, and many of us struggle with this. The forgiveness that we have received through Jesus Christ and His death on the cross covers our past sins. Do we understand that? I think a lot of times we understand that. It covers our sins we will commit today. I think we can gather that. But here's what we struggle with, that it still covers our future sins. We have a hard time gathering our, getting our mind around that. Because many times, I don't know if you've noticed this about your life, I've certainly noticed in my life, the sins I commit in the future are repeat sins of the sins I've committed in the past. Do you know what I'm talking about? We, don't we all have a... T my guess is there are some sins that you commit that I don't. And there are some sins that I do that you don't. There are some sins that I've confessed and asked for forgiveness in my life, and I've made a commitment to God, I'm never going to commit that sin again. Has there anyone in here ever made that commitment to God? And then follow up with another hand, and I've committed that sin again. Yeah. And when we come to that, and we ask for forgiveness again, if you're like me, I struggle with that, right? I'm like, man, God, how can you keep forgiving me of sins that I've asked for forgiveness for over and over and over again? Why do we struggle with those? Because they're in our future. Well, step back from our day and our mindset. Go back to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of our sins were in the future? See, when it comes to God, He's not bound by time and space. When Jesus died on the cross, His death on the cross covered all of the sins for all the Old Testament saints looking back and all the New Testament saints looking forward from the cross to eternity. It was good enough to pay that price. So when you think forgiveness, and this should change the way we confess our sins and pray. Now, we should not see this as a license to sin, right? Paul addresses that uh, in Romans chapter 6. He said, some would say, when it comes to the idea of forgiveness, some would say, well, if grace abounds when we sin, why should we not sin all the more? How many of you remember that passage in Scripture? Uh, there are some who would state that. He would say, man, if, if, if every time I sin, grace is added upon grace to cover my sins, how many of you are big fans of grace? Okay, so let's, how about this? Let's have a lot of grace. So let's sin a lot. The Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. We're not looking to sin all the more so grace would appear more. He says, how can you sin more if you have transferred from your old life and the death and the sin into the new life? 
So if we understand that forgiveness is forever and forgiveness is for everything and forgiveness is eternal, how do we keep ourselves from living with a license to sin? We'll go back to the Holy Spirit. It convicts us. There are a lot of times people will say, well, so pastor, what you're saying, if once saved, always saved, or forgiveness, or God's grace covers all of my sins, then I can basically pray a prayer and live any way I want to. And that's not the case at all. Hypothetically, you can do that. Hypothetically, a Christian could ask Christ to come into their life, be saved, hypothetically, and then live like the world the rest of their life and never lose their salvation. Hypothetically, that person could exist. But I'm also seeing in Scripture over and over and over again that if they are a believer, that the Spirit of God will convict them over and over and over again. That what we will see is we will see seasons of repentance in someone's life. Does that make sense? Who's a true believer. That there will be moments and times where uh, sometimes a believer will look like the prodigal son in the faraway country with his friends living like the world. There are going to be times when believers, hey, there have been times probably in our lives that that was much like us, right? But a true believer will always have that moment of repentance. I love what it says in that story of the prodigal son where it says, he came to his senses. See, at some point, if we are a true believer in Christ, we will come to our senses. And we will repent and we will come back. There will be a time when we come back and we fall before God and say, God, as your child, I'm back. I want to live my life the way I want to live. As a matter of fact, one of the marks of an unbeliever, if you look through Scripture, is someone who doesn't care about their sin. Because let me tell you what, the Spirit of God is always going to convict us. And guys, when we are convicted of our sin, that is a good thing. Because when we are convicted of our sin, that is a good thing. God is calling us back. And so if there is something in your life that, man, you, you, you continue to do and you sense this, this feeling and sense of guilt in your life, I want you to know that is a good thing. That is a good thing. It's when we don't experience guilt after sin that we should be concerned. And so forgiveness is for everything, past, present, and future. Forgiveness is forever, all right? And forgiveness is for now, and it's for your future. So that's the first gift. Second gift is we can have strength for today. Man, if you've heard Bruce's story, uh, what a measure and a man of strength. Uh, I've, uh, I've actually shared this with some people really uh, lately, um, and I may, I may have shared this in here. Uh, there are times I think I'm in the wrong business. And um, there are probably about 40 minutes every Sunday that y'all think the same thing. Uh, and that's not during worship. Uh, that is, and, and what I mean by that is I'm terrible at grief. Uh, 
I will tell you, I'm, I'm just not good at it. I don't do well at it. Uh, it, it, is, it. It kills me. I mean, when, when I hear of someone losing someone, it's one of those things I want to go the other way. And I, I've often said, God, I think you got me in the wrong business. And, but there, here, here's the deal. When you, when you walk and you walk along and see the measure of a man like Bruce and his family as we walked in that night, when they were making those sad pronouncements of she's gone from this body and you see the strength in a man who had a loving wife and a great kid sitting there in the family and uh, he knows that she's no longer in pain. And I can, I can recount many stories of people uh, in our church who walk in faith like that, that they have received a strength that only God can give through his spirit. And part of that is because they have a hope. And the beauty of the hope that we have is a hope that does not disappoint. That is an anchor for our soul. You know, there are a lot of people in our world that will sell us a certain amount of uh, anchors and pieces of hope. Just drive around on Sunday afternoon and listen to AM radio. Or wake up and drive to church on Sunday morning to listen to AM radio. And this new mineral or vitamin they found in some fish uh, in, south, you know, in the South Sea or in the North Pole, that if you will take this, how many of you have heard, that all of a sudden you will think like you did when you were 20 years old. You'll, have the, you'll be invigorated. Uh, your, uh, uh, your knees won't hurt anymore. Anybody heard those? I mean, they've got all these things that if you take this, all of a sudden, I'm going to have all the vitality and all the strength, and I'm going to have all this. And guess what? They, and, and usually the first thousand callers will get an extra bottle. Yeah, or the next thousand callers. That means there's always the next thousand callers, right? See, there are a lot of things that we, we can understand that what's going to give me strength for today and my family's strength for today. I love what the Apostle Paul said as we think about the strength uh, before we even get to where, where the Apostle Paul was talking. Uh, look at what Jesus said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives to you. He says, therefore, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Man, he says, peace I give to you. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. He says, not as the world gives you. The, the truth is, the world is going to give us trouble. I don't know whether it's going to be your finances. I don't know whether it's going to be your family. I don't know whether it's going to be your health. Um, I don't know whether it's going to be your kids. I don't know whether it's going to be your job. I don't know whether it's going to be your occupation. I don't know whether it's being your mind. There are, there are people, and, and you all probably know as, as we do, who they have a pretty good life, right? But mentally, they've lost it. They just struggle. And what I mean by loss that I'm talking about with despair and anxiety and depression. And we don't know what's going to come, but let me tell you what, those are the things that the world is going to give us. And that's why Jesus said peace. You know, that word peace, it just means everything's in harmony or everything's in unity. If, when you think of that word peace, uh, think of pieces of a puzzle. 
Anybody ever put together one of those, you know, thousand pieces or million piece jigsaw puzzle and you walk in and see it on the dining room table and as you come back over the next time you see it and maybe they got the border in and then all of a sudden they've got a few more pieces put in. Really, it's not until you get everything together that the, that the picture matters and makes sense. The truth is, that is what peace is is that when we live in this world, the world is going to constantly dishovel us. And that's exactly what he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He says, I do not give it to you as the world gives. Man, the world gives us our life in that box and dumps it out. And about the time we put all the pieces back together, guess what the world does? It dumps it out again, right? Jesus said, I do not, therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What else do we need at this season of year? Then to understand that as I journey into the office today, or as I journey back to the home today, that I don't have to be afraid of anything. The truth is, I don't know if this is the day that I'm going to get sick and I'm not coming back from it. I don't know, none of us know, whether this is the day that we're gonna get in our cars and we're not gonna make it home. You understand that, right? I don't know that this is the day that my heart's not gonna stop. I don't know that this isn't the day that all of a sudden I'm gonna notice something that I'm gonna go to the door, go to the, go to the doctor, and, and they're gonna diagnose cancer and we're in for a long journey. Do any of us know that this isn't the day? No. So should we live in fear? No. I mean, Christ says, if you have experienced the forgiveness of God, which covers your past, your present, and your future, my life here on this earth is temporary anyway, therefore I should not live in fear. And so, guys, if you've got this anxiety, this worry, or others around you have this anxiety or worry, encourage them with John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. Peace I give it to you. Just like salvation, Christ gives peace. And a lot of times we look for peace in the wrong places. Jesus says, I don't give you peace sparingly. Jesus doesn't say... If you ask in just the right way, I'll give you peace. He says, I give it to you. He says, and I don't give it to you as the world gives. What does the world do? It'll give you peace one day and then it'll give you war the next day, won't it? It'll give you peace one day and anxiety the next day. Sometimes relationships do that. It's in, it's out, it's in. He says, I don't give it as the world does. He says, therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then as we journey into our prayer time, as we go back to forgiveness past, present, and future, strength for today and whatever comes my way tomorrow. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as we think about the peace, therefore I can do all things at Christ through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes that, uh, that passage there in Philippians is way overused and abused. The best translation of, of that, I can do all things, and typically you'll see it on a poster when there's a big mountain where someone's climbing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That word do really should, should probably be translated endure. I can bear up under anything 
that the world brings my way through Christ who strengthens me. How do I bear up under it? Through Christ and His strength in me. Then which leads us to our final thought. John, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, if you've never committed this verse to memory, you need to commit it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that, in the Greek that's called a henna clause. That means what is said before is said for the reason that is to follow. I write these things to you in God's Word who believe in the Son of God so that, listen to this, you may know you have eternal life. So you may know. Guys, I think there are a lot of believers that they walk around with a doubt. A doubt about their salvation. A doubt about their relationship with God. Let me tell you what, what I've shared with you today and what I shared with you last week should remove all doubt. It should remove all doubt. And it should allow us with, to, to walk with an understanding that I'm completely forgiven of my past, my present, and my future. It should allow me to walk with strength, with peace, regardless of what comes my way in my finances, my relationships, or my health. Regardless of anything. Why? Because I know where I'm going. That I know I have eternal life. Now, as we close, I, I want us to spend a few minutes uh, just with uh, the, the table there where you are. And, and guys, just I know everybody's got to go to work. We've got to head out to work. Just everybody quickly share one thing that troubles you. And then what I'd love, love to do is one thing that troubles you, then the guy next to you pray for that. All right? And then we'll close. So if you say, man, I'm struggling with my job right now, that's all you're going to say. Next guy says, I'm struggling with my family. So then when you all pray, you're going to pray for the guy next to you all the way around the circle. God bless you guys. You all have a great day. Bruce, good to see you here, buddy. Thanks for being a testimony of faithfulness. So.